still had her job at the box, but the money wasn't enough now. Not for Amy or any of it. And her brother, in the Navy somewhere, didn't answer her letters. God invented Iowa, he always said, so people could leave it and never come back. She wondered what she would do. She paid the oil man what she could and turned the thermostat down to 50 to make it last. See, Amy, honey, it's like a big camping trip we're on, she said as she stuffed the little girl's hands into mittens and wedged a hat onto her head. There now, it's not so cold, not really. It's like an adventure. They slept together under a pile of old quilts, the room so icy their breath fogged the air over their faces. She took a job at night, cleaning up at the high school, leaving Amy with a neighbor lady. But when the woman took sick and had to go into the hospital, Jeanette had to leave Amy alone. She explained to Amy what to do. Stay in bed, don't answer the door, just close your eyes and I'll be home before you know it. But then she made the mistake one night of telling someone about this, another woman on the work crew, when the two of them had stepped out for a smoke. Jeanette had never liked smoking at all and didn't want to spend the money, but the cigarettes helped her stay awake, and without a smoke break there was nothing to look forward to, just more toilets to scrub and halls to be mopped. She told the woman, whose name was Alice, not to tell anyone. She knew she could get in trouble leaving Amy alone like that, but of course that's just what Alice did. She went straight to the superintendent, who fired Jeanette on the spot. Leaving a child like that ain't right, he told her in his office by the boilers. You count your lucky stars, I'm not calling the county on you. She took her last check and drove home in her crappy old car, the Kia she'd bought in high school when it was already six years old and falling apart so fast she could practically see the nuts and bolts bouncing on the pavement in her rearview mirror. And when she stopped at the quick mart to buy a pack of capris, and then the engine wouldn't start up again. She started to cry. She couldn't make herself stop crying for half an hour. The problem was the battery. A new one cost her $83 at Sears, but by then she'd missed a week of work and lost her job at the box, too. She had just enough money left to leave, packing up their things in a couple of grocery sacks. In Dubuque, Jeanette worked the night shift at a gas station, Amy sleeping on the sofa in the back room until the owner found out and sent her packing. It was summer. They were living in the Kia, using the washroom behind the station to clean up. So leaving was just a matter of driving away. For a time, they stayed with a friend of Jeanette's in Rochester, a girl she'd known in school who'd gone up there for a nursing degree. Jeanette took a job mopping floors at the same hospital where the friend worked, but the pay was just minimum wage and the friend's apartment was too small for them to stay. She moved into a motel, but there was no one to look after Amy. The friend couldn't do it and didn't know anyone who could, and they ended up living in the Kia again. It was September. Already a chill was in the air. The radio spoke all day of war. She drove south, getting as far as Memphis before the Kia gave out for good. The man who picked them up in the Mercedes said his name was John. A lie, she guessed, from the way he said it like a child telling a story about who broke the lamp, sizing her up for a second before he spoke. My name is John. She guessed he was fifty, but she wasn't a good judge of these things. He had a well-trimmed beard and was wearing a tight dark suit like a funeral director. While he drove, he kept glancing at Amy in the rearview mirror, adjusting himself in his seat, asking Jeanette questions about herself, where she was going, the kinds of things she liked to do what had brought her to the great state of Tennessee. By the time they pulled into the motel, Jeanette hardly cared what was going to happen. It seemed inevitable. 
They were near the airport. The land was flat, like Iowa, and in the twilight she could see the lights of the planes circling the field, moving in slow, sleepy arcs like targets in a shooting gallery. Amy, honey, Mama's going to go inside with this nice man for a minute, okay? You just look at your picture book, honey. He was polite enough, going about his business, calling her baby and such, and before he left he put fifty dollars on the nightstand, enough for Jeanette to buy a room for the night for her and Amy. But others weren't as nice. During the night she'd lock Amy in the room with the TV on to make some noise and walk out to the highway in front of the motel and just kind of stand there, and it didn't take long. Somebody would stop, always a man, and once they'd work things out, she'd take him back to the motel. Before she let the man inside, she'd go into the room by herself and carry Amy to the bathroom, where she'd made a bed for her in the tub.